Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by one of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voisin. A paralegal for more than 20 years, Vicki is dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the Paralegal Mentor and host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal. I publish a weekly e-newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies. I'm also the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. You'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. My guest is Joanne L. Hathaway, a former paralegal who today is a practice management advisor for the State Bar of Michigan. She previously worked as a legal liability claims director and risk manager and also legal administrator. Joanne is an Adobe Acrobat certified expert and holds software certifications in LexisNexis, Time Matters, and Billing Matters software. She is active in the ABA Law Practice Management Division, serving on the Publications Board and the State and Local Bar Outreach Committees. Joanne is a frequent speaker on law firm technology, insurance, and risk and practice management topics. She's going to be just the perfect guest for today's topic. Welcome, Joanne. Well, thank you for inviting me, Vicki. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for giving your time, and I know our listeners are going to just love this topic that we have today. Before we begin, though, our sponsors should be recognized and thanked. That would be Boston University, offering an online certificate in paralegal studies. If you're seeking a professional credential or just want to further develop your skills, Boston University provides an affordable, high-quality, 14-week program. Visit paralegalonline.bu.edu for more information. That's paralegalonline.bu.edu. Our next sponsor is NALA, a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. NALA is a force in the promotion and advancement of the paralegal profession and has been a sponsor of the Paralegal Voice since our very first show. And ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. You should work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources you'll find helpful in your career and your everyday job. Guests are usually included to help explore timely topics, and for that reason, I've invited Joanne Hathaway to be with me today to discuss the issue of going paperless. Now, we're going to talk about going paperless in a minute, but first, Joanne, I'd like for you to tell our listeners about your journey from paralegal to practice management advisor with the State Bar of Michigan. Sure, I'd be happy to address that, Vicki. 
My journey actually began in a healthcare setting, believe it or not. Uh, while I was getting my paralegal degree, I worked in healthcare. And after graduating, I then worked as a legal administrator and then as a paralegal for a large law firm. I worked primarily in litigation. One of our litigation clients was actually a medical malpractice insurance carrier. And after working on their matters, they realized that I had both a legal and medical background, and they then hired me as a claims consultant to oversee medical malpractice claims. After a period with the company, they decided to launch a legal malpractice book of business, and so I migrated to that arena, eventually overseeing claims and conducting risk management consultations to basically assess the risks a potential insured might bring to the insurance company. And at that time, I also furthered my education. I obtained a bachelor's degree in management and a master's degree in administration. And then the last loop was when the State Bar of Michigan decided that they wanted to launch a practice management department, and they hired me to do that for them. And so here we are 10 years later. Wow, that's really great. And our listeners always like to hear about paralegals who, you know, have used their skills and moved into different areas. So I I love your story. What I'd like to know, though, is what exactly is your role as a practice management advisor with the State Bar? Are practice management advisors available at the State Bars of most states? Well, I'd be happy to address that. Um, A lot of people are not familiar with practice management advisors or PMAs, as we're often referred to. So in my role as a PMA here at the State Bar of Michigan, I work with the membership and their staff as it pertains to what I'm going to refer to as the procedural or the business component of running a law firm. I'm sure you've heard and know that um, lawyers are trained to be lawyers in law school and not business owners. So in our uh, particular program here at the State Bar of Michigan, Um, We offer services in a number of ways. We offer um, a very dedicated practice management website with how-tos and guides and resources and to-do lists. We also have a free helpline where people can call in with their practice management questions. We have and conduct law firm consultations. We have lending libraries. We have training sessions, seminars webinars, and a monthly practice management column in our Michigan Bar Journal. Now, with regard to other bar associations, there are a number of other programs in North America. Each of the programs, I would say they might vary slightly in what they offered, but there are also many similarities as well. We're a pretty tight-knit group, and we're always conferring with one another, sharing information, ideas and resources, and it's, it's really good to have other people to, um, to get information from. So if any listener wanted to see if there was a PMA in their locale, all they need to do is Google PMAs of North America. And we do have a dedicated landing page with explanations and also a directory of all the programs in North America. That's interesting. I didn't know that. And I'm, I'm also curious, you said that... Um, on the State Bar's website, well, first of all, are the articles and tips and so forth that the practice management section has here for the State Bar? I'm so, I just want to add that the State Bar's website is very user-friendly, and so I was wondering if they w- would be able to get to those. They would be able to get to those. That information is not password-protected, 
And in fact, many of the resources that are available, for instance, retainer agreements, uh, sample disengagement and engagement agreements, those are provided in Word form. So a, a member can actually download those and tailor them to their specific needs. That's a wonderful resource. So, But we need to move on to the topic today, Joanne, and that is uh, the issue of law firms going paperless, or as some people say, less paper. Uh, I know that through the years that I've worked at various firms, I know that we've had uh, closed files in off-site storage, which was not inexpensive. We've had basement full of of uh, the banker's boxes full of files. Uh, they would get dusty and musty and, you know, people wouldn't return them to the right place and then it was impossible to find them. And this has gone on for years and years. So now that we're trying to, you know, to change the system a little, I'd like to know, is, is it possible, really possible, to go paperless? I do believe it is. There is always that ongoing debate with as many people as you talk to, you get as many different opinions. But you can certainly have less paper, and I, for one, tend to be of the belief that you can go totally paperless. Um, Also, you know, really with the paperless practice, it can be whatever you want it to be. It's your call. There's really no right or wrong. So I believe the imperative component is that a firm have the processes, um, hardware and software in place to actually gain the benefits of a paperless practice. Okay, why should law firms go paperless? What's Tell me about that. Well, there's more and more competition in the world of lawyering than ever before. Um, people really need to get have the edge, as I might refer to it, um, with having a paperless practice. Now, when I'm talking about the competition, as you know, there are a lot of online services and even the local competition, and lawyers always need um, something to separate them from this competition, and going paperless can help them do this. Um, With the efficiencies that can be acquired from going paperless, if it's done right, it, it can help them in, in, in instrumental ways. Um, no stacks of paper or boxes, just total efficiency. Also, um, think of having everything immediately at your fingertips. This really provides an advantage with the ability to convert wasted non-billable time to, to billable time. And also, I might add, too, that with, the, um, oh, with all of the available cloud computing, that is available now. Every firm, regardless of size, I believe can afford to go paperless and can successfully accomplish it. Well, I, I'm sure that, you know, as you said, it's going to save time and money once you get this up and running. Are there any other benefits? Well, the time and the money component is huge in many respects. Um, For more billable time, to need for less HR, to need for less storage space, as you just mentioned a moment ago, to reduce office supply needs and more. But some other benefits can include the ability to be much more mobile. I mean, it's all about mobile lawyering. That's nothing new. People can work from any place at any time, um, provide better client service because they have everything information accessible at their fingertips right away without having to go pull that paper file and physically be 
in the same geographic location as that file. And this just results in a better quality of life for the involved attorney and staff, much less stress with efficient, streamlined processes. Well, there have to be some risks, so what would those be? Well, there are a lot of risks, and I'm not trying to scare anybody off here because um, I'm a huge proponent in the paperless law practice. So firms need to recognize what I refer to as the top 10 perils of not doing it right. So these will identify those risks. So I will quickly go through these top 10 perils. Peril number one, lack of a written paperless policy. Peril number two, implementation failure due to inadequate hardware and software. Number three, putting the cart before the horse, thinking it's a work in progress, and basically what I see as making it up as you go along. Uh, Number four, this is a big one, haphazard document naming conventions. We've all been there where everyone has their own little naming protocol. And when you're dealing with digital documents, this can basically result in a black abyss. Um, Another big one, peril number five, poor or absent search mechanisms resulting in the inability to find documents. Number six, failure to define processes, assignment of duties, timelines, resulting in gap stop measures by whoever is working in the system. And number seven, we just talked about mobile lawyering, and there are risks associated with that. I, I identified how helpful a paperless program can be, but... If you have unencrypted unencrypted devices or lost or unsecured um, data and devices, it can um, obviously be a huge peril. Number eight, poor security measures by way of knowledgeable IT support and backup. Number nine, process breakdowns due to failure to test, define, refine, and ability to restore information. And number 10, last but not least, failure to have a monitoring system in place. Is there usually one person in charge of making all of this work? It's it's confusing, and I know that there are uh, people in a law firm who might not be too excited about learning all of this. So is there usually one person I say, yes, that is my recommendation. I find that a lot when I go into law firms is they don't, people don't know who the go-to person should be. And in this, um, uh, for lack of of, of a better title to give this person, I really think there needs to be a commander-in-chief, basically, of this paperless program. So people have one conduit. They're going to one person who's calling the shots and can oversee and, um, you know, continue to, Uh, to basically improve the program as need be and to guide people along through this process. Okay, so say a law firm has decided for sure they're going to go paperless. What's the first step that they should take? Okay, well, I think the very first step, first few steps, Vicki, would be to determine what it is they're trying to accomplish and how it's going to benefit the firm. And once that has been determined, um, those involved have to determine, um, you know, something, What? why is it in the best interest of the firm, and then educate the firm members to get buy-in. I've always said when I've talked to people about implementing paperless programs, I've found it's not the process that's usually the problem, but the people. So obtaining support and enthusiasm is a vital component to implementing a successful paperless practice. 
And to highlight more about the, the processes and implementation techniques, I would say plan, reduce to writing, uh, very detailed writing, include the steps involved from going from paper to digital, make individuals accountable and assign specific responsibilities. People need to have ownership and they need to know what they are responsible for. And then last but not least, uh, assign a timeline for accomplishment of the daily tasks for converting from paper to digital format. Okay. Now, when they st- when firms start this, will they already have the necessary equipment to go paperless, or are they going to have to uh, make an initial investment in maybe some new equipment? Vicki, I would say generally they do not have what they need and that they would need to make an investment. Um, this is when it's imperative that a firm, before they they start on their paperless quest, that they ensure that they have all the hardware and software that they need to successfully launch their practice. And while they they need to identify their particular needs and obtain and test all of the hardware and software that they either have or will be getting and, and using before beginning to scan that first document, people may have what they need or at least a portion thereof, but it may be uh, dated, it may not be working well, and it may not be able to accommodate the capacity that they need. Okay, so what specific hardware are you referring to? What specific hardware do they need? Well, again, you know, that's going to um, vary firm by firm, but I, I um, can certainly say that at a minimum, obviously, they're, you know, reliable computer systems. Printers, copiers, shredders, um, this is where it's very important to have either multiple or large monitors uh, because if people are reviewing documents online, they don't want to have to be switching back and forth from one application to another. That's very counterproductive to a paperless practice. They need to have um, good backup hardware and most importantly, good scanners. Also, they need to check and ensure they have good IT support to determine their server needs, network switches, and other such hardware needs. And what about software? Okay. Uh, I did want to add, I'm uh, just for a moment, if I might, I did want to add about the scanners before moving on to the software. I believe it's really a must for all personnel to have a scanner on their desktop. Um, there are numerous great scanners out there in the marketplace today with a wide variety of functionality. Many times when I go into firms, they have these multi-purpose machines, the copier, the scanner, the fax, and those have a purpose and a place, but those are not at all efficient for use in a paperless law practice except for the very large uh, volumes of, of, say, discovery documents or something that a smaller scanner could not accommodate. With regard to software, um, obviously, I say obviously, but productivity software, such as, um, by way of example, Microsoft Office, that's very important to have something that's up to date and in place. Uh, PDF creation software, and there's a lot to choose from out there. Um, not only PDF creation software, but people need to familiarize themselves with PDF PDF manipulation. Um, For instance, Adobe Acrobat, just one of many, 
can do so much uh, with PDFs and in the paperless law practice, um, it's going to be very important to have the ability to work with PDFs. Document management software is another, um, I believe, integral software application for a paperless practice. Billing and accounting software, uh, practice management software, and last but not least, um, a search software application. Many of these applications um, can integrate and synchronize with one another, so that is something that should be taken into consideration when someone's out shopping for their software. Okay, Joanne, before we go on, we're going to take a short break for a word from our sponsors, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about becoming a paperless office with my guest, Joanne Hathaway, Practice Management Advisor for the State Bar of Michigan. Are you looking to advance your career? Do you know someone who wants to enter the paralegal profession? Boston University's fully online Certificate in Paralegal Studies is a fantastic option. It's affordable, takes just 14 weeks to complete, and is led by accomplished faculty who teach employer-focused skills like legal research, writing, technology, and more. Visit paralegalonline.bu.edu for more information and to download a free brochure. That's paralegalonline.bu.edu. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with all those in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and my guest today is Joanne Hathaway, Practice Management Advisor at the State Bar of Michigan. Now, Joanne, before we took a break, we were discussing the issue of going paperless and the equipment a firm would need to do that. And now I'm wondering if you have any tips or suggestions for the one thing that you said was really important, and that's getting all staff on board for the process. I do, Vicki. I I think it's imperative to the success to have buy-in from colleagues and staff And even the resistance of one person can seriously lessen the chances of success. We've all encountered that one person in the firm who've said, we've always done it this way, why do we want to change it? And some people just don't deal well with change. Um, And plus, people are attached to paper, it's tangible, it's familiar, and oftentimes people don't want to give it up. 
So this idea of change often provokes anxiety in a firm. I think to be a role model is the first step. Um, The paperless leaders that we talked about before that should be identified in the firm need to be positive role models. They should be in a position of authority within the firm and acknowledge that the process may experience some bumps along the way and that they, that that is probably going to happen and that they are not going to be pointing the finger at anyone in particular, but to also point out that the final outcome will be well worth the transition. And also I would add as the next tip to really involve yourself, your staff. Um, it shouldn't be a, I don't think, a dictatorial type of scenario. Staff should be involved with the paperless planning process from the outset. And I think that their involvement should be continuous and their opinions should be solicited and heard. In fact, these are the folks that often have their hands in the, in the process all day long. And they have a wealth of information, and so they should be heard. And it's, it's no secret that when people have ownership at stake, they are much more likely to push for a successful outcome as compared to when they are merely told what to do. So it's really beneficial for everyone to ensure that the whole team has buy-in and that there's uniformity. Well, I have another question about figuring out this process. And, and I know you've talked about a policy, and I, I want to address that in a minute. But where does a firm find the information that they need for equipment, uh, hardware, software, uh, how, what steps to take? I mean, they can't come up with this all by themselves. So is there a reference for this? You know, there are really a lot of good publications that are available today. Uh, those that come to the forefront um, are um, several paperless publications that are available through the Law Practice Division of the American Bar Association. Um, one could start there. Um, if someone wanted to contact me, I could, you know, point them specifically to some of those resources. But there are several good paperless reference materials. Um, Also, uh, I might point out another resource. Uh, Techno Lawyer has uh, a blog, has an archive where they have several good categories of information associated with going paperless to include naming conventions, needed hardware and software. So those would be two references that I might be able to suggest Uh, Last and not least, for those people who are listening, I had mentioned that there is a directory of practice management advisors across North America, and if you have someone in your jurisdiction, you certainly should call your practice management advisor for some one-on-one assistance. Okay, then tell me about the specific policy. Is that how to name documents, who's going to scan, all of that? I know it's got to be detailed. It does have to be extremely detailed, and that's almost another podcast in and of itself. But um, to me, this is the most important component of the equation. You wouldn't build a house without a blueprint, so you shouldn't um, begin your paperless process before you have something in writing. It should be extremely detailed, and it shouldn't include just what is to be done. It should have a how-to, this is where we start, and how and when it is to be done, and who is responsible for each step. 
We don't want people pointing fingers saying, well, I thought you were doing that. People need to know what they are responsible for. Um, we talked about a person in an authoritative position. It also needs to appoint a person who has authority over the plan and processes. And in essence, again, this is the person who people should go to with questions, issues, suggestions, and um, ongoing oversight of the program. So, Joanne, how can paralegals play an important part in the transition to being a paperless uh, law firm? I believe paralegals can play an integral part in a law firm paperless plan. They're most always much more hands-on with the day-to-day operation in a law firm than the attorney members. So assigning a paralegal to lead a task force and oversee the launch and ongoing monitoring of a paperless program I think would be very helpful to a firm. Uh, Also, a paralegal could be of great assistance to to measure, um, to the extent possible, how going paperless has benefited a firm and its clients. Joanne, we're almost out of time, but before we close, I'd like to know if you have any other tips for going paperless. I do, Vicki, have two other tips I'd like to address, and this is the need to Choose your hardware and software together. Um, Synchronization and compatibility are essential to a successful paperless practice. This is not when you want to have a cobbled together program. So address your needs, research what's available in the marketplace, consult peers and knowledgeable IT personnel, and set a budget. Tip number two would be to ensure everyone is trained in usage of the hardware and software before going paperless. Oftentimes, support staffs are more proficient than a firm's attorneys, and everyone needs to be proficient to ensure a successful outcome. When I go into firms, I often see and hear complaints of attorneys and sometimes staff indicating that a system is not working, they don't like the software, and often it's because of a lack of training. So people in a paperless office do need to ensure that they know how to retrieve documents, how they know to convert to a digital format and essentially ensure success of their program. Okay, those are great tips. I really appreciate that. I think sometimes um, law firms attack uh, issues like this piecemeal, and they might uh, buy a scanner for one person, but not all of them. But buying all that hardware, getting it all set up before you even start is just a great idea. So, Joanne, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Vicki, they can call me directly at the State Bar of Michigan. I can be contacted at my direct dial number, which is area code 517-346-6381, or I can receive emails at jhathaway at mail, that's M-A-I-L, dot mishbar, M-I-C-H-B-A-R, dot org. Thank you. Joanne, this has just been uh, just wonderful information, and I know a lot of people are curious about making this work. Some have, some are just thinking. So uh, great information. I really appreciate your joining me today. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure, Vicki. We're going to take another short break, but don't go away, because when I come back, I'll have news and career tips for you. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. 
Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. At this point in the program, I have uh, some career tips for you. These career tips, practice tips, whatever you want to call them, uh, are little uh, ideas that I hope you will take back and, and use them. Really think about this. So when your firm decides to make changes to their system, and I, there are many changes. Uh, going paperless is one of them, new technology, uh, different staff. There are all kinds of changes that take place. So don't be the person that says it won't work. You may have some really good reasons, and you may try to withhold your support, but that's not the idea. You need to get behind the project 100% and make every effort to make it work. Uh, Do some research. Learn the system. Uh, Maybe help write this policy that Joanne Hathaway was talking about. And we're going to use that system so that you can train other people. And then what you also should do is ask others, maybe from other law firms, as you do your networking, ask them for their tips on going paperless. You know, there's a learning curve for everything, and often it really does seem impossible when you begin. Uh, If you think you can't learn it or that it won't work, you're just setting up this whole process for failure. You can learn anything if you try, and if you're willing to put in the time to learn it. And paralegals are, you know, especially should support these management decisions. That's all the time we have today for this episode of the Paralegal Mentor. If you have questions about this program, please email them to Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, at paralegalmentor.com. And also, don't forget to check out my blog, paralegalmentor.com, and the resources that are available there. All of these have been designed to help you move your career in the right direction. And I have to tell you, that's always forward. This is Vicki Voison, thanking you for listening to the Paralegal Voice and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Vicki Voisin for her next podcast on issues and trends affecting paralegals and legal assistance. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.